I know that by the time we get to this stage in life or season in our life, that many times people are beat up. Uh, they've gone through issues in life. That some have had tragedies. They've just had, I mean, every day if you look at it, we find things that happen to us we don't like, right? And they, the problem is, is we have an outlet not to, but we let them affect our lives. And so when you, uh, many times you can come out and you can ask an audience like this, is everybody happy? And they'll yell, yay. And you really want to have a sign come up here and say, let your face know you're happy because you're pulled down. Uh, there's an avenue for that, as I said. The avenue is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, cast all your cares and your burdens on me. In the Greek, that word cast has the connotation of literally regurgitating, an emptying of yourself. And, and I find as I have read this and thought about this during the year, we're, there's no way not to face battles in life. And there's no way that you're not going to be hurt by somebody or something. But the thing is that nowhere are we told that we have to take these things, hold on to them, remember them, and carry them as burdens. Jesus said, empty yourself. And that may mean emptying yourself every day, whatever it takes. Listen, when we get to this season of life, I, I've had people tell me, preacher, would you go back and, and do it all over again? And my answer is around a no. No, I wouldn't. I love my life. Oh, yeah, you know, I've got the same things in my life that everybody else does. But I wouldn't go back. You know, chances are I'd mess it up worse. But I just enjoyed the journey. And where I'm at right now today is the summation of everything God has carried me through in his life. So no, I wouldn't want to start over again. I, 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 I wouldn't go to school nowadays. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd be in trouble. But anyhow, why do you bring that up, preacher? That's a good dude. Do you know this guy? Where's my boy? How many of you know this guy? Anybody go to school with him? <laughs> this guy's got a cool name. I love it. Blaze Pascal. Doesn't that sound? Mm, Blaze. Do you know who Blaise Pascal is? He's a philosopher. And he came up with what's known as the eternal wager. Here's the wager. You say there is no God, and I say that there is. Well, let's think. If there is no God, or excuse me, let me start with me. I say there is a God, and if there is, here's the thing. The life that I've lived has been full and when I get to the end of my life and die and there's God, I've gained everything, everything. I haven't missed anything at all. But 
Let's say you're correct. And there is not a God. Well, my life wouldn't change. I would rather live believing in a God that had the moral principles that he had that made my life full. And so if there isn't a God, I don't lose anything. But when you don't believe in God and you die and there is a God, you've lost everything. That's the eternal wager. You can't half win, half lose. For those of you who play the lottery, it doesn't do any good to get four numbers. It's he is or he isn't. Now, what has that got to do with it? How many of you read the lesson for this week? Mm, I want you all to stay after school, after this service for about 45 minutes. I will serve you lunch back there, but you're all under detention, okay? We're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection is very, very, very important. And over the years, listening to messages preached, I, I find that we do a lot of emphasis on the death of Jesus and the burial of Jesus, but not much on the resurrection. And you see, that's a big problem. Resurrection is essential to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And whether you know it or not, there are a lot of people, not just the Sadducees that we read about, that don't believe in a resurrection. I know a ton of people. I have people in my family that doesn't believe in a resurrection. I have one guy that I love to death. He believes in a resurrection, but he calls it reincarnation. You see, what hope is that? With my luck, I'd come back as a roach and my first day on earth, somebody would step on me. You know what I mean? And I'd have to start that cycle all over again. Let's read from scriptures. In Mark chapter 15, verse 42, here's these words. It was preparation day, and they explain it. That is, the day before the Sabbath, which would be what? Friday. The Sabbath was Saturday. Preparation day, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for his body. This was a kind of a boldly move because they had crucified Jesus for being that Messiah. And here's a man who goes to Pilate and says, I want Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down the body and wrapped it in linen and placed it in a tomb cut out of a rock, then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. 
Jesus had died on the cross. He was the Passover lamb. Scripture tells us that he died approximately three o'clock in the afternoon. If you look at the Jewish ceremonies, the Paschal lamb was slain three o'clock. The lambs for sacrifices were for sin, slain at three o'clock every day. So Jesus is buried. Well, Matthew tells us, Matthew chapter 27, that guards were ordered. The next day, the one after preparation day, what day is it now? Saturday, okay? The chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember while he was still alive that, go back to that, that while he was still alive, that deceiver. He's talking about Jesus. Now, I want you to get this tone because I'm going to tell you what I think was really happening, okay? While he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Why? Otherwise, his disciples may come, steal the body, and tell people that he has been raised from the dead. The last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting it, posting the guard. Here's the issue. This was not one soldier. This was the elite Roman Praetorian guard. And it was probably a squadron, maybe a half a squadron, approximately anywhere between 25 and 50 soldiers who made their, their whole life, their whole training was to hurt people. They were strong. They were fearless. They would fight against any enemy. They were sent. The seal simply means that if you in this day and time opened something that had a seal on it and you weren't authorized, it would cost you your, your life. Also, let me say that these guards that they posted, here's was their order. If that body disappeared, they would be killed, no questions asked. Absolutely no questions were asked. Now, when the Jews said that deceiver, I honestly, this is my opinion, okay? I don't believe they were that worried about the disciples stealing Jesus' body. One of the reasons, the disciples had checked out and left town and went to Galilee. They were gone. I think they were really worried about Jesus' resurrection from the dead. You see, everything they'd saw for three and a half years proved to them, though they denied it, he was Messiah, he was Christ, he was Son of God, this world was at his command, and they were afraid that he would be resurrected. Well, what about Matthew 28? After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, what day is that? Sunday. 
Y'all didn't know y'all were going to learn the weeks, the days of the week, right? That's just extra. We don't charge for that. Mary Magdalene and the mayor of the Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, <clears throat> and giving, going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, the women didn't shake and become like dead people. They stood there. Why? They were looking for Jesus. Don't be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you to Galilee. Then you will see him. Now I have told you. And so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell what? My brothers. That's an important word. Here's the thing. All had flown, just got out of town. One had denied him and sold him out. Peter, three times, denied him. And yet when Jesus is saying, he didn't say, go get my servants. Go get the guys that run away and were afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Jesus has been raised. I've been to one of, well, both places <coughs> that people say he was buried. One, the garden tomb is where I believe uh, they laid his body because you can actually go in and there's room for several people and there is a bench a little bit over where they would have laid the body. But it's an amazing place, amazing place. Well, what is the explanation of this? Matthew 28, beginning with verse 11. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported. Now, they're taking their life in their own hands. To the chief priests, everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders, they devised a plan. They gave the soldiers a large bag of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, it, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money, did as they were instructed. That was the religious community's answer to what had happened. Now find it, you have to search hard, but if you search hard in history, you can find that that was reported. But most often, even though they say sometimes an itinerant preacher, 
a man called Jesus who was crucified rose from the dead. That ridiculous story didn't wash because one reason the disciples would have not been uh, able to overcome those guards. So you can see if they went to this huge deception to keep down the fact of re uh, resurrection, resurrection must mean something. There must mean something to it. Well, it means two things. No resurrection, no life, and no hope. Without it, you're going to live life, get beat up. You're going to live life, face tremendous uh, failures. I mean, your life in some ways may be a total mess, and then you're going to die, and that's it. Why would you have lived? But with resurrection, there's hope. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul explains to this Corinthian church the importance of resurrection. Paul said, but if it is preached that Christ has not been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. They're setting it over here, and the subject is resurrection from the dead. Yes or no? So the argument he makes, if there is, the answer is no, then Christ has not been raised. You can go somewhere, dig it up, and find the bones. Goes further. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are more than found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him from the dead, in fact, the dead are not even raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Those, then those who have fallen asleep, those that have died in Christ, they are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most pitied. Those are success, seven easy to find reasons why resurrection is important. Simply, Christ would not have been risen. He would be no different than Muhammad. He would have been no different than Buddha, any other religious leader in the world. They may have his body enshrined like they do Ho Chi Minh in Vietnam. He's still under glass in his uniform, not looking good. I mean, he's a little peaked, but that's what would happen. We need to understand that. Not only that, what I'm doing right now would be stupid, it would be meaningless, and I'd have to say to you, if there is no resurrection and Christ has not been resurrected, what are you doing here? Is this the only restaurant in town that serves food on Tuesday? That's the import of it. Our faith in Christ would be worthless. What faith would we have? Why would we have faith? I mean, it's very simple. Witnesses, us, would be liars. 
everyone would still be in their sins. All former believers would have been died. This thing of saying, my husband, my wife, my mama, my daddy, they died, they went to heaven, one day I'm going to be with them. No. That would be a fairy tale. But we would be pitied. Can you imagine spending your life, giving your life for a lie? That's if there is no resurrection. That's why I've said the resurrection must be preached because it is important. Very, it is a basis. We're, we're going to read a scripture in a minute that says that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have obtained new life and new hope. Why is resurrection possible? Is it a scientific theory? Is it a philosophical theory? Why? No, the answer is very simple. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And because he is alive, bodily, not a spirit, bodily resurrection, you and I who are in Christ and all who believed in Christ and have died and gone before us we have a, res a, a reason from hope. We will experience resurrection. You see, folks, just like Pascal's wager, it's either all or nothing. There is a resurrection or there isn't. There is a Savior who paid your sin debt or there isn't. Those are the issues. It's an all-in you either win it all or you lose it all. Secondly, with the resurrection comes new life and new power. First Peter chapter one verse one or chapter one verse three. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a Living hope, what's this word? Through, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a new hope. We have a new birth. We have new power in Jesus Christ because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans 6 is one of the great theological treaties on this, on this resurrection body. What shall we say? All right, in verse five, or chapter five, the last half, Paul has talked about by one man, Adam, sin and death entered the world, and by one man, Jesus, resurrection, forgiveness of sin. So he's saying, okay, if that's the case, what shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Some of you have laughed at that verse and they, oh, it's obvious. Well, it is obvious, but here's something else that's obvious. There is a tremendous amount of people that believe we should continue to go on sinning. And here's the reason. The more we sin and the more we're forgiven, the more God is glorified. You know what that is, don't you? It's Greek, garbage, it's trash. 
That doesn't glorify God. That comes from a idea that comes from people who simply want to be able to hope, even though it's a false hope, they have an eternal destiny set, but yet they want to live like they want to. Okay? No, that's not going to happen. Do that? No. Buy? No. This in the Greek, I, I don't even know all the big words, but it's like, what? Or, are you crazy? Somebody take your brain out? You know, what, whatever you want to say, that's what that means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Here's what it's saying. Now listen to it. This is a part of the hope that we have in this life. Because here's something you need to understand, and, and only you can verify when you sin, and you knowingly sin, or you sin, uh, you feel great guilt, do you not? It's like, ah, I didn't want to do that. The Spirit of God will convict you. Satan will take that, that failure and haunt you and tell you how guilty, how guilty you are. You see, here's what this verse is literally saying. You have become a corpse. Jesus' death is his baptism. That's the picture. Remember when Jesus prophesied death, burial, and resurrection with John the Baptist? Okay. In that baptism, it is metaphorically the death of our old nature. We become in Christ a corpse. All right, let's go on. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into a death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may live a new life. Oh, listen, I hear people say this all the time. I wish I had a do-over. I wish I had not done that. And the problems that we are facing today, the problems and the issues that are dragging us down into despair for the, for the pills, for the depression, and the books on depression, the reason we are suffering like that is because we have sinned against God, we know that we have, and we do not acknowledge the prescription. We don't acknowledge the prescription. You see, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Number one, it's not that we live in sinless perfection. You can just throw that away. The word perfect in the Bible simply means you become a mature person in Jesus Christ. Paul referred to it saying, you guys are drinking milk when you ought to be having ribeye steak. That was his way of saying you're not in maturity. Perfect was Jesus Christ. We are to live forgiven. We are to live blameless. How do we live blameless? You say, well, I sinned. No, well, see, you don't understand the forgiveness of sin. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, and this is big to wrap your head around it, and the only way to do it is 
to believe it by faith because our God is that big of a God. Even though you and I were not alive, our sins, everyone, past, present, future, forgiven in Jesus Christ, put an account for us so that when Christ called us and we come to him and we confess those sins, that account is empty because it fills us. We are forgiven. And to live life in a blameless manner, he gave us the gospel according to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Apostle Paul would say in chapter 7, I don't know why I do the things that I do. The things I want to do, I don't. The things I don't want to do are the very things that I do. And after about eight verses, he cries out, who will rescue me? And he answers that question, I thank God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's move on. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. It's what I call the complete gospel. You see, that brings joy in life. That gives us strength to go through even the most hateful, hurtful things in our life. It doesn't have to stick to us. At this time in our lives, friends, if you're in the body of Christ, you ought to have a joy within you that nothing can take away. Because one day, you're going to live until Jesus says, come on home. And then you're going to open your eyes in the presence of Jesus. Now, why am, I, why am I talking about all this stuff? Well, it's just simply this. One of the worst testimonies of Jesus Christ is a sour face and a witness of how defeated you are in your life because of things. Have you ever thought about someone who's not a Christian, who knows you're a Christian, and they listen to what you say, to your mumbling, to your bad news? I'll be honest with you, in 50 years of ministry, there's been a whole lot of people that I have in my notebook up here. I don't ask them how they do. How you doing? I don't ask them that. Because time they get through telling me, I'm down in the dumps looking for a gun. I mean, it's like, oh my Lord. But you see, that's, that's not our life. Our defeats don't defeat us. We have no defeat in Christ because Christ overcame death, hell, and the grave. And if we identify with him, nothing's gonna hold us down, nothing. And if that's true, tell your face every morning, 
I'm happy in Christ. I thank God. There's joy in my soul. Yeah, there's a big issue coming. I want to see how God's going to handle that. I want to see him handle it. And in my prayers, I just tell him, sick him, Jesus. It's an issue I can't have. Let me, let me explain to this in closing. <laughs> okay, I'm cord today. When Jesus called forth Lazarus from the grave, he came out like this. Y'all realize that? He didn't come out like this. No, he was bound, wrapped up. And what did Jesus say to him? Take the grave clothes off of him because that old grave clothes, the clothes of a corpse, bound him, couldn't move. Christian, it's time you stop putting on the clothes of a corpse and binding yourself and live in the freedom that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ bought for you. If you're not here, if you are here and you don't have a hope of a resurrection and stand in front of Jesus, if you don't, Many people say, well, I don't know where I'm going. Well, you do. I don't believe that. You know. If you're in Christ, you know you're going to heaven. If you're not in Christ, you can be the member of the church and on every committee, you're dying, going to hell. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. So you need to answer that question today for two reasons. To secure your future and to set you free to live in a way that you probably have never lived before. Fathers, we come to you today. Lord, your, your worth is so true. And personally, I just say, God, forgive me for the times I have let things bind me up. Oh, God, forgive me. I pray today that they, people will walk out of here with a new determination, a new relationship, determined to know that peace, to know that joy. And Lord, I pray if there's a person here today that cannot positively say that I will spend eternity with Jesus, convict them to the shaking of their lives that today may be when they come to know Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.